Father Matthew Schneider will always remember his first assignment after he was ordained a priest in 2013. He was assigned to be chaplain of a school in Calgary and a youth ministry leader. Pretty normal assignment for a new priest. The assignment was supposed to last three years, but... At the end of the year... That's one year. They really didn't want me back. I was kind of surprised because I thought I'd done an okay job. I knew I'd made some mistakes, but it's a new, it's a new ministry. I'm not going to be... I'm not an angel. I'm human. I make a few mistakes in learning something new. A few months later, in January of 2016, a psychologist diagnosed Father Matthew with autism. At first, I was kind of uh, really down on myself thinking, oh, this is horrible and things. But then I started to realize, uh, in a way, it's a blessing in disguise because all of a sudden, all these different things in my past life, which were difficult or which were, which I didn't understand, became understandable. Father Matthew said it wasn't like he had a single aha moment and said over the next several months, things just started clicking. Like I always just assumed that everybody else read other people's faces consciously. Like if I'm seeing someone, I'm talking to them face to face. I'm consciously thinking through, OK, what kind of emotions are they having based on what their facial expression is? I didn't realize that everybody else just kind of did that subconsciously and automatically. And that was just like a total revelation to me. At the school, it was just that I was not reading the emotions on a lot of the kids' faces, and that's why it was not a good fit for me to be in that, in that kind of ministry. Father Matthew shared his diagnosis with the priests who worked most closely with him. He said they took the news well. I think even still sometimes not, not everyone, when you tell them, understands it fully because when I say it, they don't grasp the exact things I struggle with. There aren't any physical markers to distinguish a person with autism from anybody else. Autism spectrum disorder manifests mostly in a different way of perceiving and interacting with the world, and then in facing challenges to communicate and behave according to these, these social rules, these spoken and unspoken rules that are mostly set up by neurotypical people. Now, you've probably heard of autism, but here's what it is in a nutshell. So autism spectrum disorder is something that falls under neurodevelopmental disorders. So it's a brain-based disorder. It's not something that is parents' fault. It's not a result of any type of upbringing. This is often something that is, um, it just kind of comes to light as a child develops and parents and others start to see just the differences in development and in behavior. We don't know what causes it. We don't know why people have it. There's still a lot of research being done on that. There's no cure for it. This is something that, as far as we know, you know, a person's going to deal with for the rest of their life. Now, that doesn't mean that it's, it's not something that they can cope with, that they can perhaps learn better social skills. They absolutely can. Obviously, depending on the severity of the uh, of the disorder, you know where a person lands on the spectrum is going to kind of dictate how difficult that process is, and, and in some cases, how possible that process is. The guy who just explained that, we'll come back to him. For now, you just need to know that he knows what he's talking about. 
A person on the autism spectrum might, like Father Matthew, have a hard time reading emotions on people's faces or maybe even avoid eye contact completely. Sometimes people with autism have a hard time adjusting to even minor changes in daily routines. Sometimes they're more sensitive to light and sound. Sometimes they don't respond to lights or sounds at all. The signs and the symptoms, the effects of autism vary from person to person. That's why it's called a spectrum. This week on our program, Father Matthew talks about the particular challenges of being Catholic and living with autism and why ministry to people with autism is so important. Then, the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is trying to make sensory-friendly masses more widely available. We'll talk to the women behind that initiative about what makes a mass friendly or unfriendly for people with sensory sensitivities. You're listening to CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines. I'm your host, J.D. Flynn. Stay with us. Father Matthew kept news of his diagnosis within his inner circle for a couple of years, but he said he always knew he'd have to share it with the public eventually. Because I think there is a need in the church for ministry to autistics and ministry from within the autistic community to fellow autistics, because we tend to think differently or interact with the world slightly differently. And if somebody else has that same way of thinking, that same way of interacting with the world, it's going to be different ministering to them than somebody from outside. So on April 2nd of 2019, World Autism Day, Father Matthew released a video on YouTube explaining his diagnosis. I'm autistic. My whole life I felt a little different. I never really fit in and I never understood why. I was a good student, passed all my classes, got into engineering, did okay there, but I was never cool. I'm the first person in my family to be diagnosed, but looking historically, I can definitely see some tendencies from those who came before me. If we meet up somewhere and you look at me and you're like, he's a little bit off. Well, I'm autistic. That's just the way I am. It's been nearly one year since that video, and Father Matthew continues to blog regularly about his autism and his Catholic faith. I, I want to, you know, help my fellow autistics to, to be integrated in the church so they feel really at home in the church like they should, so they feel in communion with the rest of the Catholic Church and not kind of on the outside looking in or something like that. He told me that people with autism can have a hard time connecting with the Catholic faith, or any faith, because they simply see the world in a different way. Autism is a disorder that affects the person's relational functioning. And so when, I think when, when God and the faith is presented as, as it usually is in, in traditional catechesis, you know, God is Father, living the faith, you know, is about having a relationship with the Father and the Son. A person with autism is going to have a much harder time connecting with this idea, with these concepts that we're talking about. This is David Kovacs. He's director of psychological services at St. John Vianney Seminary in Denver. They don't seem to map the world in terms of relationships as neurotypical people's brains do. And so I think this poses a real challenge to how we catechize. Father Matthew told me people with autism have a much higher chance of being atheist and a much lower chance of attending religious services on a weekly basis. Maybe because the idea of a relational God isn't all that appealing. 
unless an autistic person really grasps and understands the faith in a kind of rational, intellectual manner, they won't really be somebody who's attached to the faith, whether it's presented in an emotional way or it's presented as just you you do this because this is the right way and not explained, not given reason, that those type of explanations won't satisfy an autistic person, so they won't be involved. Or an autistic person is very unlikely to be a semi-active person in the faith. Researchers have found that infants with autism prefer blurred pictures of faces and computer-generated voices over clear faces and human voices, which is what neurotypical babies prefer. David said this research gives some insight into the minds of people with autism. We're discovering that people with autism tend to focus on details instead of the the larger picture. They'll focus on a person's mouth, for example, during a conversation instead of the larger face. So they literally look at the world differently. So I think when it comes to answering questions about God, we need to do a better job of connecting with the research and what that is telling us about it and the way we speak about God. It needs to be explained well, but I think it can be explained well uh, to autistics. God, as we know, is, is infinite. So I think that there are a lot of possibilities to speak about God in other ways than just relationally, uh, so that people who have a difficult time with relationships can still connect. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Kate Oliveira. After the break, we look at one archdiocesan effort to make sensory-friendly masses more widely available. Stay with us. Friends, listeners, Twitter fans of Carl Bunderson, this is Carl's best work friend, Peter Zalasko. I'm the social media manager and arbiter of all food arguments at CNA. What can I say? My opinions on food are always correct. If you enjoy CNA Newsroom in your car, during lunch, or on the run, be sure and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And then force your friends to do it as well. Seriously, come on. Invite them. Subscribing is easy and free on any podcast app like Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Just open the podcast app on your phone, then search for CNA Newsroom. Click on the subscribe button. That way, you'll get our podcasts as soon as we post them. Now, back to the show. And I'm going to go have some pie. I was at our parish, and there was a family who very clearly had a son with some form of developmental issues in front of us. He was sitting two pews ahead, and during the homily, he was very loudly singing the alphabet at the top of his lungs. They looked very uncomfortable and embarrassed. This is Noelle Collis DeVito. She's Associate Director of Respect Life Ministries at the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Noelle could relate to the family a few pews ahead of her. One of Noelle's daughter was diagnosed with ADHD a few years ago. She was not easy to take to church. It took about five years for our daughter to be able to sit through Mass and cooperate and and participate and not be disruptive. Noelle wanted to encourage that family. She'd never seen them at the parish before, and she wanted to make sure she'd see them again. 
I was thinking, okay, well, during the sign of peace, I'm going to go up and tell them that I'm so glad that they're here and that they're bringing their child to church. And they were gone by the time the sign of peace rolled around. So that was really heartbreaking for me because our parish is a very welcoming parish. And seeing that family leave kind of made me aware that we need to let people know the stigma is gone. Noelle started working for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati's Respect Life Office about a year and a half ago. And early into that new role, she started to think about how the Archdiocese could better minister to people with disabilities. So she thought, what if we could create a sensory-friendly environment at Mass? You know, most Masses today have amplified sound, have maybe incense, have bright lights in the church, and things like that that can be uh, a challenge for autistics. This is Father Matthew again. He told me that he can handle a typical Mass with bright lights and loud music, but afterward... He always needs time to recover. If he can, he avoids typical mass altogether, instead opting for the most subdued mass he can find, one that takes place in almost complete silence. The low mass in the extraordinary form, extraordinary form has high mass and low mass. High mass will tend to have a lot of the same things with with a normal mass, as well as almost always incense, which can be a challenge too, whereas low mass is very simple and relatively quiet. Or a lot of times the parishes have a really early Sunday Mass, like a 7 a.m. Sunday Mass. Those Masses are uh, more sensory-friendly for people who struggle with that. Back in Cincinnati, Noel consulted with the parents of children with sensory issues and with pediatric specialists like Letitia Hall. Letitia is a speech pathologist. She's the part owner of a speech therapy clinic in Beaver Creek, Ohio. When we talked to Letitia, she was actually at her clinic, and so you're going to hear some background noise while she's speaking. But anyway, Letitia is Catholic, and she knows that a number of her clients are also Catholic, but many of them don't go to Mass because it's just too hard. At her clinic, Letitia would ask her Catholic clients, Do you go to Mass? Have you been to Mass? And um, some of them have told me, no, actually, they don't go to Mass because it's too difficult. Not only the stigma, the the challenges of feeling ostracized, feeling that they're a burden. And then also, um, there are other churches in the area, non-Catholic churches, that are supporting special needs families in our area. And so they go there. So when Noelle approached her about the idea of launching sensory-friendly masses in their area, Letitia jumped at the idea. I saw this as a great opportunity to connect the dots as far as what I do in the community with special needs families and becoming and building that special needs community in the Catholic Church. Letitia began developing two kind of guidebooks for the Mass. You know, one of the things that I've learned as a speech pathologist is sometimes we need to make things a little bit more clear a little less complicated, a little bit more concrete. One of the guidebooks displays large photos with simple descriptions. So it would be a a box, and it would have, for example, reading, and it would have a picture of someone up at the altar reading, and um, it would say, first reading. And so then they can see what's going to happen next and how far along it is until Mass is finished. A second guidebook also has photos, but with more text to explain what is happening and why. Take, for example, the responsorial psalm. 
it says at this point one person sings a part of the psalm and then um, everyone joins in you know and so the expectation is if i'm reading this i can sing along it gives a person independence and an understanding of what's happening then noel worked on adapting the environment and even the mass itself not just for the sake of changing the mass a little bit it's not different i mean it's still mass in every way and form um we just adjust certain things for the mass to make it more accommodating for those who have sensory issues she started by turning down the lights we try to avoid all bright lighting and any of the fluorescent lights father matthew actually mentioned fluorescent lights when we talked to him to many people fluorescent lights seem to emit a steady stable light but in reality the light from a fluorescent flickers back and forth very quickly between bulbs and that goes unnoticed by a lot of people even father matthew said he doesn't have issues with fluorescent lights but for people with strong sensory issues a fluorescent light can feel like being under a strobe light all the time and you can imagine that being in mass when you feel a strobe light the whole time would be a little bit of a difficulty for people uh <laughs> for somebody to go through a whole mass then there are the microphones so we lowered the microphones a little um not to the point where you can't hear but so that it's not um loud and then we ask the musicians to keep the dynamics of the songs that they're leading us in to be more muted less you know from piano to forte those kinds of things the children's lectionary simplifies the readings and noel said she coaches priests to help them make their homilies a little bit more literal. The first sensory-friendly mass in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati was held in June 2019. One of Cincinnati's auxiliary bishops celebrated that mass. It was the feast of Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. The the reading was about Jesus feeding the multitude of people, right? And how he took just a little bit of food and fed so many. And so he started it by asking the children um and adults who were there, "What are your favorite foods?" And he stopped in front of this young man who had raised his hand and he stood there for 2 minutes while this boy typed in his answer and let his um automated speaker say his answer for him. He spelled out chicken nuggets. And I stood at the back of that mass and almost lost it. I was on the verge of tears because it was so beautiful to see this child be able to participate in an active way in that liturgy in a way that he's never been able to participate before. It's a very emotional experience. It was wonderful because these are families who have not attended mass, some of them who have not attended mass in quite a while. Jennifer Zwiers is a prisoner at St. Henry's Parish in Dayton. She went to that first sensory-friendly mass with her family. I have a younger son who's 3 who has uh disabilities and sometimes it's hard for us to be able to sit through a whole mass. I know with my kid he loves to talk really loud during mass. It's not like her parish or her pastor have ever been unwelcoming. Her pastor would frequently say during mass, "I'm happy that we have children here today that we can hear and we love to have them here." But Jennifer said the sensory friendly mass was interesting and really approachable. Shortly after that mass, Noel approached Father Jim, that's Jennifer's pastor, about the possibility of St. Henry's hosting a sensory-friendly mass. Father Jim wasn't sure where to start, so he invited Jennifer to take the lead. So I think the hardest 
thing about approaching it was trying to figure out with the mass coordinator of who is doing what. Then there was the challenge of explaining a big change to parishioners. St. Henry's would adapt one Sunday Mass each month to be more sensory-friendly. I think at first they were very nervous. A lot of them had a lot of questions um, about, like, how would it be different? And is that going to affect, you know, how Mass goes? And is everybody welcome? I think that was the main thing, that if we're going to change it for this, does that mean everyone else is welcome? Jennifer made inserts for her parish bulletin and drafted parish announcements to explain the subtle changes and to explain that, yes, everybody was welcome to attend. And we want them to attend. The whole point is to integrate everybody into this Mass. Each sensory-friendly Mass at St. Henry's Parish begins with greeters, but for people who don't like making eye contact or aren't sure about new people, the greeters are optional. Um, So when you come into the door, we have handouts that have all the music and stuff on it, so it makes it easier. They don't have to look through the book for it. We also have, if they would like, we have visual aids. The guidebooks Leticia designed. Um, Before Mass starts, we do lower lighting. We have one section where we don't turn on lights, and that really helps certain family members. Um, Instead of using, we use a, a children's lectionary so that the readings are shorter and the words are more literal. Um, And then we have the offering, the low-gluten host during it. And there's usually an announcement at the beginning telling people that, you know, you're more than welcome to get up and move if you need to move. Um, And it just makes it a lot more relaxed setting. St. Henry's was the third parish in Dayton to sign on to host a monthly sensory-friendly mass. Today, there are four parishes, meaning a sensory-friendly mass is available every weekend in the Dayton area. A fifth parish plans on hosting a community-wide mass and social every six months. I think it's a way of families who have feel, felt alienated and misplaced um, and unsure about being welcomed. It gives them a chance to slowly move themselves back in. As our church and as our rule, we need to find ways to help them feel welcome in the conditions, syndromes, you know, whatever may be their issue with church, the lights, the sounds, and everything like that. As a parish, it's our job to help them feel in place and help us not, you know, they may have triggers, and it's our job to help not have those triggers. Father Matthew said sensory-friendly masses are one step to better integrate people with autism into the Catholic Church, but he said that Catholics shouldn't stop there. If you have someone you know is autistic, ask them what they struggle with as far as sensory or as far as things they need for you uh, help from you with, because it varies quite a bit person to person within within autistics. And if you are a person with autism or you have other sensory issues, Father Matthew said, don't lose hope. Don't feel afraid to go forward to pray, to try a different parish if that's a struggle, and to really live each minute in the way you can. You know, if you if you really like praying the liturgy hours, pray the liturgy hours. If you really like Lexio Divina, go and do Lexio Divina and and really get into it. And don't worry that you might be doing it slightly differently than other people. Jesus wants us to come to him as we are. He doesn't say like, hey, wait until you're perfect and you've achieved every virtuous thing and you have no challenges or, or or disabilities or struggles in your life, and then come to me. No, he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, I will give you rest. 
These kinds of masses aren't happening only in Cincinnati. Father Matthew has noticed similar efforts in Phoenix and some dioceses in Canada, and they're happening in other parts of the country, too. Our own family has benefited from going to sensory-friendly masses. We have two children who are disabled and have sensory issues, and we know they can be just beautiful and joyous expressions of the church's welcome. In our next episode of CNA Newsroom, we're going to talk about other ways that the church can welcome and teach and prepare for the sacraments people with disabilities. So don't miss it. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. I'm your host, J.D. Flynn. We're produced and edited by Kate Oliveira and Jonah McKeown. Our executive producer is Kate Oliveira. A very special thanks this week to Father Matthew Schneider for sharing his story with us and to everyone we spoke with from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Go Bengals! <laughs>